1: Welcome to the much-anticipated second episode of the Curly W. Live podcast. As a reminder, you can always find the podcast on our blog, Curly W. Live, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com, www.nationals.com slash podcast, and on iTunes. You can listen to new episodes and go back in the archives and find past episodes. So first off, thank you all for checking in for the second episode, and thank you to all of you who checked out episode one featuring Mark Shalaba and Charlie Slows. Thank you for passing along your kind words, tweeting about the podcast, sharing it on Facebook. So we're recording this podcast as a team is in the midst of a 10-game road trip, taking them from Atlanta to New York this weekend and eventually to Colorado. They just completed a sweep of the Atlanta Braves at the new SunTrust Park, handing the Braves their first losses in their new facility, and now heading to New York this weekend with a record of 10-5. and five. There were some big home runs hit during the Atlanta series, grand slams from Bryce Harper and Ryan Zimmerman, and some big pitching performances from Max Scherzer, Joe Ross, and Steven Strasburg. As of this recording, which is Friday, April 21st, the Nationals' offense leads Major League Baseball in batting average at .285, on-base percentage at .353, OPS at .825, while ranking second in Major League Baseball in slugging percentage, .471. They're tied for second in runs scored with 80, and are tied for fifth in home runs with 20. So as we discussed on the first podcast, um, we're going to talk about more than just on-field topics here. We're going to pull back the curtain a bit and go inside the front office for interviews and discussions about different aspects of the organization. Like I said on the first episode, when you settle in at 7 p.m. with your Shake Shack Burger or Slice of Enzo's Pizza or Chicken Biscuit, whatever your food uh, choice may be that evening and your desired beverage, of course, a lot has gone on during the day to get to that point. And we want to give you some insight into those departments and the people that you know make the games possible. That starts this week as we take a look at the game entertainment staff. Our guest this week's... Our guest on this week's episode include jackie coleman the vice president of broadcasting and game presentation and jerome rushka the public address announcer here at nationals park and you know as someone who is lucky enough to get to travel to a lot of parks see a lot of games on the road um, i get to see what other teams put together and i would absolutely put our game entertainment and production staff up there with anyone in the league they're really good at what they do and really strive to give fans the the best experience possible so i'm pretty excited to be able to bring all that to you in this podcast And stay tuned after the interviews for a look ahead at the upcoming homestand, which will be April 28th through May 4th. So in introducing Jackie, um, I want to take listeners back to spring training. Uh, While players, coaches, front office are getting ready for the season, another huge task another huge group is also getting ready for the season. Uh, And what they're doing is taking place in a converted clubhouse just down the right field line at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches in a clubhouse that is converted into a Hollywood-esque studio. So Jackie Coleman and her staff can go down there, and they gather seemingly endless amounts of footage, videos, interviews, photos um, of our players and coaches, and what's going on at practices, at the games. So you know when you go to a game and you look at the production on the video boards, the player videos, you know you see Instagram videos in spring training. Um, you know when you pick up the Inside Pitch magazine or the yearbook to see, a, and you see a cool photo shoot. All of that is taking place during spring training. And like I said, at the forefront of all that production, uh, as well as the in-game entertainment, promotions, events, theme nights, is Jackie Coleman and her staff. So here's our conversation with Jackie. We talk about her career path, her responsibilities, her process, um, her great staff, and some of her best memories of her time as a member of the Washington Nationals. So I hope you enjoy our conversation with Jackie Coleman. All right, well, we are coming to you from the Curly W Live studios here at Nationals Park and I am honored to be joined by Jackie Coleman, VP of Broadcasting and Game Presentation. Jackie, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Kyle. So I want to get started uh, talking a little bit about you and your career path. Um, You're entering your 10th season with the Nationals, and in your role you're responsible for scoreboard production, in-game entertainment, broadcasting, promotions, events. Um, Before that you were with the Mystics, Charlotte Bobcats, Television, uh, BET Network, among other things. So I guess my first question to you is, If you remember, why did you want to get into sports, specifically the game entertainment, production, broadcasting part of the business?
0: I've loved sports for a very long time. Um, I always joke and tell people that it was just me and my sister, and I was my father's son. So I watched sports with him all the time. So I grew up watching a lot of sports, and so it was a natural transition for me. I went to school for TV and film, and because of that, it transitioned into sports and production. And so my career path has consistently been, and I've been very, very, very blessed in that what I went to college for, I'm actually living that dream. So I am, I started to do sports, I started to do boxing, football, basketball, um, and then it just moved into, as my career went, it, I moved into various sports and coverage of various sports, both from uh, producing, executive producing, and um just guiding it so i think it just moved well together and it ended up being part of like everything i did and, and then production was something that i loved and they the universes collided in a great way
1: Nice. so do you remember your very first opportunity
0: oh my goodness um <laughs> i can't remember i think i started out um at bt and we were doing college football and basketball games and then we started to produce boxing and then I started to do one-on-one interviews which I actually really love doing. Um, I did some greats in my career and that's I think that's when I kind of started to really really fall in love all the way.
1: Okay so going back to spring training uh, 2017 at uh, Ballpark of the Palm Beaches um, while the team is out on the field getting ready for the season you and your crew um, you're also getting ready for the season Uh, But in a clubhouse out back, that's almost turned into a uh, Hollywood-type studio set. Um, You guys transform it into a pretty elaborate setup. Um, When you're done with it, you barely recognize that it's a clubhouse or a batting cage or whatever you guys are using for that stuff. So um, I want to talk a little bit about what you guys do back there, the process, the concepts um, of what you guys put together. So I guess my first question is, when you go down to Florida and you have your plan, how long... Did it take to get to that point, and how long does it take to come up with those concepts, um, the setup, uh, things like that?
0: It takes a while. I think we all year long we come up with ideas and concepts. We look at what other teams are doing, as well as what we'd like to do to advance our team. We look at how our team is playing. We look at how our team. We look at trends in the industry. Um, what's hot, what's not, what special effects, what colors, you know, what what we want to stay with our brand. We work strong with the marketing department in terms of staying on brand and coming with the great collaboration of that. It's, it's crazy to see it because you're right. It's, you walk in there and it's a box room and you walk in there five days later because a technical setup takes five Three to four days, basically, and it's a transition of lights. There's a set built. There is a floor. There, it's it's a transition of a set that you would not believe, and it's just a great collaborative process with the production team, my staff, marketing, baseball, and everyone for it to come together. It's it's really great.
1: And you definitely do have crew members of your crew that uh, don't always spend all their time in there, but they're out on the fields gathering gathering content video audio um you know they're 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 out there at practice you know checking out um you know what the team's doing who's working you know different type of um drills that they're doing so i guess after you gather all that content you know and you're done you pack up you come back up here what's what's next it it, it seems to me like you're there eight days you have an incredible amount of content how do you get that from that point to where we are on opening day
0: so it's a, it's a race to, we always consider it a race to opening day. So once we get back from spring training to your point, there are so many pieces to put together because it's not only what we put together for the scoreboard, it's what we put together for the marketing team, it's what we put together for social, it's what we put together overall. So we come back, look at all of the content, we break it up, we break it up in terms of player and we make sure that we have covered all the bases of what we need and then the entire staff and it's like five of them come together and we bring in a couple additional people and they start to put together all of the pieces and it's over 150 pieces and you wouldn't realize that just because it's so um, because we use li- utilize it in various places but there's so many pieces that are put together in small ways to come together to collaborate in just one game presentation and one game and then making that a daily almost transition of what we'll need from a game by game basis and then breaking that up into other places that it's needed from social to television and then radio because there's some sound effects that go along with the process too
1: if you had to guess how many hours of content do you think you gather there in those seven eight days you guys are there
0: wow so we're there from 5:30 in the morning until probably six o'clock at night we shoot Four to we shoot in blocks of four hours, so we shoot a good almost eight hours of that day. Um, and with each player, we get about an hour, hour and a half, depending on how much we're doing, and if we're transitioning our brand look, and if we're just doing some new things from last year and just updating. I don't know hours. I can't have to do a lot know. of math. Yeah, we have to do what, a lot what of math. I <laughs> need <use> my brainiac <laughs> Dave London to think about that one. But yeah, we there's a lot of It's math a lot. Is what it comes, yeah, it comes down to. I lot. know
1: for me personally, I mean we kind of see what you guys do you guys give us a tour of your set you know we we see a lot of the stuff you put together during the day but I'm so excited on opening day to like look up at the scoreboard and see it all Uh, the first time we look at all that presentation the walk-up music the walk-up videos um I know that kind of distracts me on opening day I'm not even gonna lie (laughs) I I watch it very closely um so as we go to getting into the season uh for you personally um we play at seven o'clock what's a typical game day like for you?
0: so we get in around 8 eight thirty every morning we start to go through our production side our log we go through and we do it prior to but on game day we kind of perfect it go through all of the inning breaks go through pregame ceremonies there's a lot of coordination with a lot of departments corporate market corporate partnership marketing baseball and everyone to put all the pieces together so that takes us from about eight to about noon then noon we start to get ready to open gates we have a production meeting on game days there's two staff so there's my entertainment staff which is about 20 people um, big games it's about 25 people scoreboard is about 20 to 25 people with all the positions so then we do a production meeting with both staffs to go over everything in game then we open gates and then we the show starts <laughs>
1: um, what is in terms of the scoreboard room um, I don't know how many fans have seen it or if, if they've ever been on tours but um, what is the mood or the flow like in your room. Um, I've wandered up there a couple times during games and it seems like um, everyone's so focused and it's like a well-oiled machine where if I need somebody's attention, I got to, you know, I feel bad distracting them, but I, you know, tap them on the shoulder or whatever. Um, but it seems like everyone's just so focused up there and everyone's, you know, honed in on what they have to do
0: it's a great group of people a lot of the people that have been with us have been with us since rfk which is before my time and each position is a very defined position and technically each of those positions have have grown through they've grown through the years so it's intense because they really have to pay attention because one system speaks to the other and the next system and it communicates with the next system in order to make sure all the statistical information is accurate that goes on the board and your staff helps with that too. So it's very intense. It's very focused, but you know, because it's a long day, you know, there's moments of jokes on headsets and we laugh a little and we try to giggle here and there. And then the game action, the field action really helps it through and there's music and there's a lot of stuff going on, but it is a, it's a very focused group because of the intensity of what we're doing and you know, we're, we're catering to 44,000 fans and what they're seeing as well as media and you know the players are looking up at the board at some point in time to make sure that information's accurate too
1: um so we talked a little bit about uh just a moment ago with what you're gathering in spring training but um your crew i, I guess it, i'd like to draw a comparison i might be wrong but it's kind of like your own tv channel or your own tv production company where you're cutting highlights uh producing videos um pretty quickly actually so in terms of that process like for example, Anthony Rendon makes a diving play and the crowd's going crazy. It's a big play in the game. Zimmerman makes a stretch and it's just a great big play. And you know, you're going to use that and you know, you want to log it or catalog it, um, to use whether it's for more video, uh, a pump video, commercial, a so an Instagram post or whatever. Um, what's that process like, um, from start to finish? And do you know instantly like, Hey, we need that. We need to save that, you know, things like that.
0: So our st- I'll back up a little. Um, the staff has, I have an amazing staff, and we cut content, and we do... Um, we cut content for theme games as well as games themselves we do it for various departments as I've said earlier so we know going in once a play happens that that play and that moment whether it's a historical moment or whether it's gonna have a playback place later in that game or for the next day that there are probably five or six areas that goes to so in the different various machines and the different staff that I have, we know that that person knows that that exists. That exists for Anthony Rendon in several positions. It exists for him now and in the future potentially, so it gets dumped somewhere else for that. And then it gets it. it, it just has a route that is already – it's a path that's already created because we're such a well-oiled machine, and they are such a well-oiled machine in doing all of that.
1: I remember last season, um, maybe been August or early September, we wanted to start to pump Tanner Groark for the Gold Glove. And our staff and your staff we got together and uh, found highlight videos and um, some great plays that he made throughout the season and I mean to your to your point when we brought that idea to you guys so we could promote him and put him on ESPN and I will be networking your crew had that uh, two minute video ready almost instantly mm-hmm. and it was pretty amazing to see how smoothly all that happened and you know we unfortunately Tanner didn't win the gold glove but uh, we got that video on ESPN, MLB Network, local news shows. I mean, and everybody was incredibly impressed with, you know, the type of production we put together and, you know, how quickly it all came together. So it's a kind of an example, a real-life example of our two departments working together and getting something done relatively quickly based on file footage you had and, and archive footage. So in terms of um, your other roles, promotions, events, uh, everything from bobbleheads, theme nights, other giveaway items, do you have a... Favorite giveaway item or favorite theme night that you guys have done throughout the years?
0: um, Theme night, probably Star Wars. Mm -hmm. It just comes together so well um, with us working with Lucasfilms and the Legions and there's just a longer story with it. But that night seems to really sparkle. Mm -hmm. There's so many great moving parts with music, with footage, with, Um, content that they send us it really comes together that's one of my favorite nights where the park really lights up from first gates to last out
1: and that takes I mean the amount of people and staff it takes to pull off something like that it's that's what always amazes me a night like that where there are 40,000 people here and everybody here is doing something Star Wars related I mean it always kind of blows my mind how many people have to be on the same page how many Um, you know, the direction, uh, the leadership it takes to pull off a night like that.
0: Yeah, it takes takes everybody. It takes a lot from marketing. It takes a lot from production. It takes a lot from entertainment staff. I mean, we have our presidents too. Mm, So that's another part to it where we do costumes for the presidents and our staff. And so there's just so many moving parts with that one, but it's a good collaboration of all teams to make that night happen.
1: My favorite, I love bobbleheads, as you've probably seen at my desk, (laughs) but I can tell you I have like, four of the iphone chargers in my uh i think it was two years ago yeah, we did the was. iphone chargers and it i keep was. those in my backpack um because when we're on the road and um i don't I, i've always avoided buying them because yeah. i have a little stash of my own yeah. and so that's been my favorite giveaway item and uh it's we've the, done some great oh, giveaway items I mean, through
0: the years i mean to your point i've been uh, here over 10 yeah. seasons and there's just been some fun giveaways the baubles have been great but right. there's just been some fun little pieces along the way that i still use exactly yeah
1: um so a little bit bigger picture um, for fans that may be wanting to get into a field like this or they're really intrigued by something. What, what, what do you think is the favorite part of your role here and, and what you've been able to do?
0: Honestly, it's my staff and the staffs I work with and working with other departments. It's, it's the best because you have a lot of really great people. You have a lot of people that, are, that love what they do, and the excitement of it is great. And so my favorite part, honestly, is the people I work with both on my staff Mm -hmm. and outside of my staff and all of us coming together especially when it's a moment that's created and we all know it's a moment Mm -hmm. and then we come together to to advance that moment on all levels
1: what would you say you're sitting up top the scoreboard room way above nationals park and you look out um what's your favorite part of the park
0: uh to your point looking out the window and looking out and seeing because from where i sit i can see the park and i can see the city and the mm-hmm. skyline so it's just a when it's a beautiful night at the park yeah. and the lights are on and the the sound is there it's just that's my favorite mm-hmm. part
1: do you have a oh actually in your 10 years here or you're entering your 10th season like you said um your favorite single moment as a member of the organization
0: Maybe Strauss' debut, maybe, or the day we opened the park, either mm-hmm. or. Mm-hmm. Stras's debut. My boss at the time came out and said, "Walk outside." And I never leave the scoreboard. Yeah. And he's like, "No, you need to walk right. outside." And I walked out, and it was the most amazing. The when he when he was when he pitched, it was quiet. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just the most one of the most amazing experiences I, I had. I totally in agree
1: with the, all, all the postseason games we've been in, and and we've had some exciting moments. I mean, I was an intern that year, and I mean, we had media on the warning track from. Well, we usually don't allow them this far, but they're down almost to the foul pole. Yeah. Uh, it was, and like you said, every pitch it was quiet when he was winding up, and then swinging a miss, and the place would just go and, and, crazy. And you could hear them gasp, yeah.
0: and you could hear them quiet themselves down, mm-hmm. and you could hear them. It was, it was just, a, it was rhythmic. It mm-hmm. was amazing. Pudge and Stras were amazing right. together. It was, it was just magical. Right,
1: exactly. Uh, do you have um, one favorite behind-the-scenes story from your time in the scoreboard room or you know something you can share that um, really sticks in your memory?
0: I can't think of one. There's just so many. I mean, <laughs> you know, 81 games. I don't know, we play 81. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't, exactly. Really,
1: I can't win. Um, And now the most important so- question of the interview what would your walk-up song oh, be?
0: That was the hardest one, and I did not know <laughs> what to pick. I really could not come out with one song.
1: You would have probably you four four at bats. You'd have four different songs. Yeah,
0: I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't narrow it down. That's the, that, that. I will fail you. <laughs> I will fail you and walk away without would you, a, a song.
1: If you were doing a video for yourself, would you be tough guy Jackie, or would you be smiling as you're you know?
0: i would have both i'd have to walk into the <laughs> shot a little tough and then i'd push a little smile inside of it and then i'd cross my arms at the back of it to let you know i was all it's game time to go it's okay. time to go all right it's that's great fair time. i'd
1: probably be the same i don't think i'd be able to keep a straight face yeah you can't. You, you, can. you would be sick of working with me after a while and just be like just go we're, we're fine we got what we need um well thank you i mean i'm lucky enough uh to get to travel and visit a lot of parks and um, see a lot of different game entertainment presentations things like that, and. Uh, I would put your group up there with any of them. I think what we do here is pretty awesome. Um, you know, I think fans fans may not know you and your crew, but they know your work, and I think um, they're excited about it and it gets them going every night. So um, hopefully now you fans know a little bit about you and your history. Um, so thank you, Jackie, for visiting us. And um, again, thanks for your time.
0: Great. It's a grand, wonderful team effort. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So thanks again to Jackie Coleman for joining us, and our next guest, you know his voice very well, as you have heard him every night at Nationals Park since the park opened in 2008. Here's our conversation with Jerome, public address announcer at Nationals Park. And we are back at the Curly W Live podcast studios, and with me now is a voice that, as Nationals fans, you are very, very familiar with. Um if you go to any games you hear him from about i don't know six o'clock till the end of the game maybe about an hour before the game till hopefully the nationals win i'm here with jerome pa voice of the washington nationals uh thanks for being here with us no problem thanks for having me on the podcast it's great um so i wanted to we talk a lot about this podcast about um everyone's roles in the organization and um career paths preparation um what your day-to-day life is like as a member of the the organization. So, you know, why don't we get into first your your career path? Um, How long have you been with the Nationals? How did you get into the public address announcing sector? Um, You know, we'll we'll start there.
2: Well, I'm celebrating my 10th year, actually, with the organization. I started as the backup announcer in 2006, and I was the spotter at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then in 2007, I got the main role as the announcer, and I've been there ever since. Um, and my roles stay the same. It's kind of nice. I haven't added too many responsibilities and haven't dropped any. I've gotten really good at what I do over ten years. Uh, there's <laughs> I a, there's anyway.
1: something to be said for knowing what you're good at and what you're not. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Not that it's the not not it's not rocket science or mm-hmm. anything. But um, but after doing the same thing for ten years, it's uh, it's kind of fun. It's my dream job. I wanted to do it when I was a kid. Actually, I have a I have an old recording of myself um, that I for had forgotten about for years, and my mom found it as a cassette tape and. She played it back for me, and it's it's me imitating uh, the Yankee Stadium PA announcer, oh, wow. of course, um, Bob Shepard from back in the day. But I was a little kid at the time, and I was imitating him. And then I wanted to do it, uh, not knowing that I really wanted to do. I wanted to do radio and voice work and things like that. Um, but then uh, in college, I got the opportunity to announce for the baseball team and the volleyball team, and oh, wow. the, you know, soccer team, wherever I could, wherever they needed me. I was a radio voice on the campus radio station, so they said, "Why do you go announce?" baseball or announce this. And I said, okay. And the first name I said at the baseball game, I did the pregame, and it was I was nervous, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I said the first name, and the crowd goes crazy for this kid. He was a senior, and I was mm-hmm. a freshman. I didn't know who he was. And the crowd went nuts, and I knew from then on that was exactly what I wanted to do. It was a different kind of emotion. I was used to radio where you say funny jokes or you say, you know, uh, important information, mm-hmm. and there's no, re- no initial reaction. Right, but when you're doing PA work,
1: the crowd, the crowd is
2: yeah. right there, and mm-hmm. they let you know. Like when you're excited, they're excited. Mm-hmm. When you're upset, they're upset. So it's a different. Uh, it was a different world that I entered.
1: Were there any um, radio broadcasters? You mentioned radio, and uh, so there were, were there any radio broadcasters or public address announcers um, in your uh, younger days that you kind of looked up to, or some that maybe have helped you along the way <laughs> from where to where you are right now? There,
2: there is. Um, I'm good friends with a few of them. Uh, the announcer for the Pirates were friends and. And the former announcer for the Orioles, by a man by the name of Dave McGowan, um, I, I became friends with him later, but he was not happy with me when we became <laughs> friends because I, in our, we had a lunch meeting, and I said, Dave, it's so great to meet you. I grew up listening to you, and he stood up and walked out of the restaurant. <laughs> wow. and I was like, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he was just no kidding. disrespect. <laughs> he, I was like, I didn't mean it like that. He's like, you're just a kid, you don't know, and he, he was totally <laughs> messing with me. But, but he had done it for 21 years and uh, he had retired a few years ago from announcing and, and I had grew up listening to him. So all the names at the Orioles, mm-hmm. uh, those were the, the names that were in my head. I, I grew up here in Northern Virginia. So the team that we went to watch was the Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles. And I, I got to listen to, you know, Nick Markakis and the exact way he says, it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, uh, he was definitely a direct idol for me for PA announcing, but I have many, many radio idols that I've had okay. over the years. Um, from local personalities to, you know, really famous radio people like Orson Welles, and I, I have lots of idols in the industry.
1: Okay, so um, in terms of preparation, um, you know, we're on a long road trip right now. We're recording this on on Thursday during while well, the team's in Atlanta. Um, what's your preparation like? We have a our next home series is next Friday, so is it? Yeah, no, we had a li- <laughs> nice long road trip. That's uh, good to know. <laughs> Da- Daisy play, Daisy don't. We all know that. Um, so what's your preparation like leading up to a series or a homestand or, or a season in general? Right.
2: The, my preparation is different at the beginning of the season than it is midway or ha- or toward the end um, because I really have to do a lot of prep before we play the team for the first time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But the rosters don't change very much throughout the course of the year. So once I've got the pronunciation of the names uh, for the opposing team once, I've pretty got it, I've got it set for the next couple of times we meet them until of course the rosters expand Oh,
1: September yes
2: when September rolls around I got to do that all again so there's a lot more work before the first series with a team and before each subsequent series but um, most after after I've got the rosters done the most of the prep work I have to do is just on uh, script reading of all the Mm -hmm. different things that we play and a lot of that repeats you know some of the sponsorship ads are the same from game to game so a lot of it is uh, repetition but before the season even starts though because in the off season I don't announce anything I'm a teacher so I don't, I don't have to <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to get back into the idea mm-hmm. of uh, announcing things on cue and having a headset on and working with a professional crew as opposed to students every day it's right. a different life that I have to get ready for and then it lasts throughout the year and then I come down off of that after the postseason's over so
1: and start it all back up again yeah in exactly in March exactly. April
2: but I have to be there a few hours before the game starts okay just like all the broadcasters like mm-hmm. I go through all my notes, I go through all the scripts, I go through, um, but especially in my case, pronunciations, right. um, because everybody, uh, another another thing about being on the radio or being on uh, television or broadcasting is if you make a mistake, you might find out about it later, Right. but in public address announcing, if you make a mistake, you find out about it immediately. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> and when I was announcing in college and for high school sports and things, I'd I'd make a mistake, and somebody's mother would walk right down the bleachers and be like, oh, well. his name is not said this way. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry I didn't know, and I didn't get a roster. But, here, <laughs> you know, here, <laughs> with Major League Baseball players, you get a lot of information. Right. It's very easy to find proper mm-hmm. pronunciations for player names. Yeah,
1: every when I'm on the road, every chance I get to at least pop my head into the visiting PA right. booth, then just – we don't have a lot of difficult guys, but um, especially if a guy has said something like, hey, man – can you remind them this or that? Right. Do everything I can to to oblige them and make sure that you know when they're running out, from you know, the bullpen. We, they, they hear the right
2: name. Is that you don't know how helpful that is, even just to go through the regular names? Right. The a lot of times we've had team. I've never met anybody from a lot of the teams that we play against, mm-hmm. and I'm getting most of my information either online or getting it from my favorite source. To get is when I hear the player themselves say their own name. Yeah. And then I know it's truth, but <laughs> it's much better to get somebody to come in from the opposing team to give us even if we just run through the entire roster right like why
1: leave anything to chance exactly I mean, um so I, over the course of the game there's exciting moments and um big moments and you know a, a tv broadcaster a radio broadsc- radio broadcaster can um, kind of play into those and and use them along the way so from your perspective though like do you allow emotion or excitement to guide <laughs> how you deliver um whatever announcements you have to make and <laughs> how do you manage that my
2: first <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because the the first game I ever got to announce um was a Yankees game we oh, were wow. playing the Yankees and I grew up a Orioles Yankees fan don't hold that against me but <laughs> I um it's just the way you know kids kids follow what their parents do right? right so anyways um and the first game I got to announce was a Yankees game so the first roster I got to announce was a Yankees mm-hmm. roster is the visiting team at RFK and I'm reading the names you know and it's Derek Jeter and you know, all these guys I grew up watching. And, and my producer is in my ear. And he goes, uh, Jerome, this is the visiting team. <laughs> and I had to calm down a lot. I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the, uh, that's the New York Yankee. And, and so, but as, as far as emotion comes into it, I think that uh, radio and TV guys can, they, they play on the emotion of the moment. A lot of times I have to stay the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after 13 innings and a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay, right. when Ryan Zimmerman walks up, he's still Ryan. I mean, he is still Ryan Zimmerman. I right. have to announce it the same exact way. Um, and so it works against me sometimes that I try to stay the same. I try to announce the name exactly the same way every time. Mm-hmm. But uh, occasionally my uh, my attitude comes through when there's no <laughs> runs, no hits, no errors, and no runners <laughs> left on base for us. I, I kind of uh, – because I am emotional in the moment of the game. Right. like I, I'm very emotional. And that's actually when I started announcing, my uh, my parents and my friends, they said, oh, well, what's your catchphrase going to be? What's your give that fan a contract line going to be? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it ain't going to be that. Because right. that's Baltimore. I can't right. say it. So I had to think of something. And I never did. And I never thought of any specific phrase or a or a line. And it took a few years to realize what was happening, mm-hmm. is that I don't have a line. What I have is the ability to be really emotional when I say their names mm-hmm. but yet be unemotional when I say other names right and and but be serious and then I can be funny and I can do so I have a wide range a dynamic range and that is my catchphrase if you will okay is to be is to have that dynamic because you go to a lot of other stadiums you don't hear that right you know whether they're saying the home team visiting team whether somebody's left mm-hmm. their lights on or whether you know something's half price it's the same read mm-hmm. each time and mine is I try to be not only dynamic for the moment, but dynamic for what I'm trying to say. Right. And I think that's something I've prided myself on. And I've worked hard on to get every, every time I read some commercial, I'm, I'm all about that commercial. That is the most important thing I've right. ever said in my life. And when I say their names, I try to get, keep it consistent so that every day is some kid's first game. Right. right? So right. And I
1: think, yeah. I mean, I think the companies and the players also deserve that type of approach exactly. too. or you, you're giving your all for that player or that company. That's, you know, paid for that right to pay, right. paid for that sponsorship. Sometimes like that. they
2: say, you know, players say they, they don't know what's going on around them. They don't right. hear the music. And oh, they do. Oh, yeah, I believe and it. And, and I hope that I, <laughs> I do. <I'm laughs> the only time I've ever gotten real feedback from a player was live on the field. <laughs> and it was Willie Mo Pena. <laughs> and Willie Mo Pena, I had said his name a certain way for a couple of, you know, I would said, I think I had said, um, Willie Mo Pena. And I just kind of did it easy. And I got a message from one of our uh, uh, sports information mm-hmm. people that came up and They said, hey, um, Willie Mo would like a little bit more Mo and a little bit less Pena. And I went, well, well, how much more Mo and how much less Pena? And it was a sports statistics guy. Yeah. So he goes, ah, about uh, 20% more Mo and 15% less Pena. <laughs> I went, okay. And so, so the next time Willie Mo comes up to the plate and he's walking up to the box and I go here we go, and I, I went Willie Moe Pena, <laughs> and he looked up at me, and pointed the bat and went yeah, and then went up to the bat. I was like ah, oh, it's great I got <laughs> a feedback from a player. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, the only They're, time I'd ever yeah. gotten actual direct feedback from wow. a player is awesome.
1: <laughs> um, so what's the favorite part of, for yourself about being the the public address announcer at Nationals Park? Um,
2: well, it's it's a it's a mix of two things mm-hmm. for me. There, there, I have two favorite aspects of my job one is the crowd and the reaction the crowd has and being in i know i get to see every great moment in Mm -hmm. nationals history at least at home right anything that happens at that stadium i get to see because i don't miss games and i'm there every time and the other side of it is the behind the scenes stuff i i love the crew i work with the the crew is amazing and and like i said before i'm a teacher by day and so i work with students Mm -hmm and to work with professional media people is a different ball game, it's a different world. And um, I love the people I work with, I love the, the camaraderie that we have, but also to know that on the headset, like I, I, look, I wear a headset during the game, which most announcers don't, and so I'm, part, I'm in tune with what the crew mm-hmm. is doing, what the cameras are doing, and what the audio people are doing. And <laughs> if, if anybody knew, the organized chaos that's going oh. on in my headset is, is bananas. Like it's just, no one knows, what's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But yet, the crowd doesn't know that.
0: Right. The
2: crowd doesn't see it. They don't hear it. All they hear is the finished product, and it's hopefully good and perfect every time. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that it's it's very show business-esque. Right. We do all this work behind the scenes, and we try to make it seem simple and easy right. when the fans see it, and I hope they do.
1: And that, that's part of kind of what originated uh, this, this podcast episode was um, fans come to a 7 o'clock game, and they um, – they sit down, they got their, their food, their drink, they're ready to, to lock in on the game. But I mean, I don't know how many people understand that we've been going and preparing for that game since midnight the night before right, or right. eight o'clock the next that morning. So um, to allow them to get a little bit of a glimpse into that. And we should
2: be good at it because right. we get to do so many eighty-one, eighty-one 81 of them, yeah. Right, and the and we get to do 11 of them in a row. Mm-hmm. And so by the fifth or sixth of a homestand, we should be really good at what we do, right. and we are. And that's why we can do things harder and we can do things that are more complicated. Right. You know, I've worked on a production crews in other venues and other events, and for, for every time I do that, it's like their first day. It's like their mm-hmm. opening day. We did opening day, and we've done exactly. how many games since then. You know, it every day for us a normal operation and a normal game for us is like someone else's opening day mm-hmm. and we do a lot in at, at nationals Park that a lot of other stadiums don't do right and we're very proud of it but we also we are constantly pushing ourselves to make the show better
1: i'm always so impressed by the the kids on sundays when they do the guest pa <laughs> yeah. announcing um the girl or the, 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 the young girl last homestand on sunday she, she was crazy. she killed she was good. it yeah and she was getting into it and yeah. And I'm, she
2: got a round of applause from the fans right. when, I, when I said, how about a round of applause? Yeah. And, it, and they went nuts. And I told her, I was like, that's for you, man. Know, that for that's for you. Awesome. Her face lit up. It was crazy.
1: So what do you, when they step into your booth, Like, what's your advice to them? What do you tell them about what they're about to do?
2: And, uh, I didn't know that I did this. Um, uh, somebody that works with us told me uh, after, I'd, after we'd had many kids come through, mm-hmm. and they, I asked them, I said, am I doing this right? Like, mm-hmm. Am I prepping these kids enough? And they said, oh, you do exactly what you're supposed to do. The first thing you do is you tell them to calm down. Mm-hmm. And I try to get them to relax. And I tell them to take deep breaths because when they come up there, there's, you know, I, 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 there's, there's people in the windows open and there and are you know forty thousand people and the, you know, I get to do that and more like just relax. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them to have fun and we, we have we have games up there for them and then I have um, we take pictures and post them on the right. wall and we actually take a uh, we take a picture and print it twice and I sign one and then they sign one and we switch. Oh, cool. And so it makes them think that they're you know and and then I also have a locker in my booth and they get to sign the inside of the locker. Okay. And so it's like a secret. And so I have <laughs> hundreds of signatures of kids on the inside of this door of my locker. And so I try to get them to relax and have fun. And then, then once that's over, once they're relaxed in the room, then we can start going, all right, you've already practiced the Nationals mm-hmm. names. And now we're trying to get them to do the visiting team, too. And so I throw new names yeah. at them. And I get them to do the umpires. And, and it's, it, it's a kid-by-kid kid basis. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, had, we've had kids as young as three up there. We've had kids as old as 12 right. and everywhere in between. Um, but they're all so excited to be there and the parents are super excited to be there. <laughs> Sometimes I feel the
1: parents are probably more nervous than the uh, <laughs> the parents the kids. Are
2: like, Read it again, read it again, practice again, practice again. I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. You know, they they'll be fine. They'll be fine.
1: You do you know? have a, a favorite guest? <laughs> well that my that son comes got to, mind? to do it once. Oh
2: well there you go. Yeah. My my son was up there and he got to announce one time. And, How was
1: uh, that parent? Was he kinda hard
2: out? That parent on? was so nervous. <laughs> he had he was just a, a fidgeting mess. No, uh, uh, Tyler did a great job one, one time doing that and he uh, he was really emphatic and he was he was really over the top and he's never going to go into broadcasting and it's totally fine <laughs> with me. Um, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> it's exact, He did it once and he's good with it and I'm like, that's all I needed yeah. to do. Uh, but we've had, um, I've had lots of, I had a, a, a kid that came up last year that after 10 minutes of being there, we realized that the father of the kid that was there went to college with me. Like wow. it, We've had connections coming huh. up and We've had, we've had uh, kids that, we had a kid one time that had a um, um, a learning disability. And it was really hard for him to talk, and he was not good at public speaking mm-hmm. in class. And some of the people, after they brought him up, they were real nervous he wasn't going to be able to do it. Really? We got him to do it. Wow. And it, we got, we worked, it was really, we just were super patient and took our time, and he went through it, and it was the happiest I'd ever seen a kid in years. Uh-oh. That he, he got through that lineup and didn't make one mistake, and he was so happy. So I've, I've, every every one of those stands out for me. I remember every kid that comes up there. And, um, and it's kind of easy. It's not like there's been thousands right. of them, But, I, you know, I, I do remember everybody
1: that comes up. Um, so what has been your favorite memory or favorite moment as the public address announcer for Nationals Park? Um, there's been many.
2: Um, many related to games. Mm-hmm. Um, but believe it or not, I when I go home, people go, what was, what was the score? And I'm like, I, I don't they know. do the, the same score. thing sometimes. <laughs> like,
1: by the time I get home, sometimes I wonder, like, Okay, we that's won? right. We won five to three.
2: That's yeah, right. Yep, it was yeah, a, I think we did. <laughs> or people ask, ask me, "On like, yeah. did you guys
1: win last night?" Yes. You
2: can ask Charlie and Dave the same thing. In the moment, they'll know. Right. Like on on the game day, they are clock on right. with all of those stats. But I bet you they go home and say, "Hey, Charlie, what was the score?" i don't know the score? <laughs> I, When I was in radio, I did the same thing. I'd. I did a morning show, and I would have to do traffic and weather every mm-hmm. 10 minutes and just boom, 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 all the time. And I'd go home, and my wife would go, uh, do you know if it, what the weather's going to be like? And I'm like, I have no idea. She's like, you said it 100 times. I'm like, well, you know, but there my, my favorite moments that stick out at Nationalist Park are sometimes related to baseball and sometimes mm-hmm. not. I, I mean, I got to announce the opening day ceremonies last year. That was – was I'd never go on the field. That's right. Like, no one ever sees me, and I, I'm, the players never see me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they do, they're like, "Hey, that's the guy." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's me." And uh, so when I get to announce on the field, and they're running by me, they're all staring at me like, "Whoa," you know. <laughs> and that was—I mean—that sticks out in my mind as an incredibly memorable mm-hmm. moment. But, but of course, you know, I should—I should probably say anything related to a baseball game. But, um, <laughs> but most of my moments come from most of my favorite moments um, come from things that happen at the park, or you know, I, I get—I get to hang out with. Uh, Charlie Brotman, the former PA mm-hmm. announcer for the Senators, he comes up to the booth right. all the time, and I get to. Think, I've I've met former senators, I've met uh, Olympians that have come to the stadium. They've come into the booth. Right. I've got so many memories that come from there. It's um, it's definitely a, a a job I always wanted when I was a kid. It's a dream job to have, mm-hmm. and it's turned out to be everything I wanted, I, what I was hoping for.
1: Um, so do you have one, maybe like behind the scenes story that you can tell? I know not everything up there is uh. <laughs> You know, um
2: <laughs> there is uh <laughs> there's quite a few there's quite a few um I don't know this will probably get cut from the podcast, <laughs> but we'll we'll put it on there anyway. So we have a guy that plays for us is really good hitter. his name is Daniel Murphy, and everybody knows him, and Daniel Murphy used to play for somebody else, mm-hmm. right He used to play for the Mets, and um he was coming up to bat one time for the Mets and someone on the headset had said something not really funny and not intentionally trying to get me to mess up, but it was probably just one of those had-to-be-there kind of mm-hmm. jokes. It was just something that happened that moment, and it made me laugh so hard <laughs> that I laughed right through his name, and I was like, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what his number was when he played for the Mets, but, uh, but it was I essentially went old <laughs> Daniel Murphy, <laughs> and then I let go of the button, and I almost cried, and I dropped to the floor in sort of like a half laugh, half this is the last, that was the last thing I'll ever say on the PA system (laughs) at Nats Park, and luckily for me, it was late at night, and it was after a rain delay, Mm -hmm. and it was probably the 13th inning, and no one knew that it happened. Everybody that I work with knows, and they still know, and every time he comes up to the plate, or every time we're talking about him, it's always Daniel Murphy and I, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'll never forget that. I'll never ever forget that.
1: Well, but at least he's on our side now. Yeah, so. he's on
2: our side now. And I I and I'm sure I thought for a while that he knew. Yeah. Um, I just I was so afraid that when, when we traded for him, I was like, Oh man, he is gonna come right up here and <laughs> he is gonna light me up for this. But I I'm, I know he's a nice guy. And I yeah. He probably doesn't remember.
1: <laughs> I'll ask him. <laughs> Please. Yeah, that would be great. Oh, yeah. I've to talk to that guy, guy. about yeah. that. Yeah, where does he sit again? <laughs> um, finally, the last and probably most important question I'll ask you all afternoon is, um, you're in the big leagues. What's your walk-up song?
2: That is an excellent question. We, we debate this heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who's not an athlete who used to be, like, a high school athlete or used to be something and works for professional sports, that conversation comes up all the time. And people are always like, oh, this is a terrible walk-up song. I would do <laughs> blah, and it, it never works out well. But I actually had to pick a walk-up song. Um, and so I know the answer to okay. this question. Uh, and that's uh, Winterfest. Right. Um, they introduced me to host a game, and I lamented over that choice for, <laughs> had to be 72 hours i was just like oh i don't know i don't know and i asked i asked my wife and i asked my friends from college and i asked my students i pulled my students i said what song should i walk out to i don't know and and um i had i had a decision made and then right before i went out i looked at the dj i was like don't play that don't play that i have to play what who am i i have to play i have to play mary j blige family (laughs) affair and i did and and so my walk-up song already is okay family affair from mary j blige
1: <laughs> Good choice. You won't, I don't. I don't think you'll find any complaints there.
2: No, it's a great. It's a great song. It's a great up song.
1: Well, I appreciate you spending the time with us this afternoon. Um, like I said, fans they know your work because they hear you every night and every afternoon um, at Nationals Park. So hopefully now they, they know you a little bit more and know what you're about. And um, you know, we appreciate the, you taking the time to uh, join us this afternoon. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. So thanks again to Jackie and Jerome for joining us. As Nationals fans, you no doubt know their work. You know what they put out there, what they put together. So it was an honor for me to be able to give you a chance to get to know them a little bit more as people and their career paths and um, some of their great memories working for the Washington Nationals. So looking ahead, the Nationals return home on Friday, April 28th for a six-game homestand against the New York Mets and Arizona Diamondbacks. Some of the stuff we have going on at the park during this homestand, Tuesday, May 1st, is Irish Heritage Day. Uh, Celebrate Irish culture with authentic dance, Food and music act now to secure a vip baseline reserve ticket that will give you access to the pregame festival where you'll be able to sample food and drink from local irish bars and restaurants all tickets include a donation to the john barry charitable fund and the nationals will be hosting a pregame vip party with food and drink samplings from various dc irish pubs irish dancers and music tickets are available at www.nationals.com backslash irish and on wednesday may 3rd is u.s navy day the Nationals will honor and celebrate the United States Navy. Representatives from the Navy will participate in pregame ceremonies and be special guests of the Nationals for their salute to service. And looking even further ahead at the following homestand, which is May 10th through 14th, where the Nationals will welcome the Baltimore Orioles and Philadelphia Phillies. May 10th and 11th, obviously, is the Beltway Series. May 12th will be Trey Turner-Bobblehead. May 13th will be Nationals' second Pups in the Park. And May 14th, of course, is Mother's Day. So as we mentioned in the first episode, we always want your feedback. So feel free to tweet me at Kyle Brostowitz or at Nationals. And feel free to leave comments on Curly W Live. Once again, where you can find the podcast, you can always find it on on our blog, Curly W Live, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com, www.nationals.com slash podcast, and on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe to the blog as well as to the podcast on iTunes so you don't miss out on anything. So until next time, Nationals fans, thanks for tuning in.